On this episode of the Sanchez Show, we had Will Gordon stop by and chop it up again. You've heard him on the show before. This is his third time coming on. We always have great conversations, but I had to have him on to get some unpopular opinions. We got the Super Bowl coming up just 24 hours, really. We had uh, some NBA talk we had to get into. Does Bradley Beal really want to stay in D.C.? Does he want to get traded? We also had to get into the NBA trying to force the players to have an all-star game. You guys are going to enjoy this episode. I won't wait any longer. Let's get to it. What's really good and welcome back to another episode of The Sanchez Show. I'm your host, Eric Sanchez, a.k.a. Legend in Two Games. And because the Super Bowl was approaching, I felt we needed to dig deep. We needed to get some unpopular opinions going today. So I had to reach out to my man, Will. <laughs> Will, how you doing, bro? Well, good, man. You know, you know what it is with me, man. You know, I'm gonna bring my opinion, and then most likely unpopular, as you said. Hey, it's all right, man. As long as there's logic behind them, I'm always willing to listen to them, man. So we got to start right there because the last time we did a podcast together, we were talking about Deshaun Watson. He was on the trading block, and you made a comparison that some people didn't really like because you said he was not yet, but he was shortly becoming. Matthew Stafford. Black, yeah, Black Stafford. That's what I call him, Matt Stafford. I call him Black Stafford. <laughs> Black Stafford. Now, yeah. since the last time we spoke, we saw Stafford was moved to the Rams for Jared Goff, two first and the third. So I wanted to get your opinion on the trade itself and who you think won the trade ultimately. Um, at the end of the day, I think the Rams won the trade. When I look at the two picks that they gave up, I look at the first, that one. As far as any quarterback deal goes, when you're talking about first-round picks being exchanged, I look at that first pick being just a wash because you're really ultimately exchanging that pick in itself for the quarterback. So I I don't really see it as two picks. I see that first pick, I look at it as your first-round pick with Matt Stafford. You know what I mean? Instead of a question mark. And so really, you gave up another pick and then, I mean, another first-round pick and, a, and then that later round pick. So I see if you if you're the Rams, you won because you not only did you get the you, be, you got the better player in the deal, you got rid of Jared Goff's contract, which is ridiculous. He shouldn't have got that deal in the first place. And for for you to be able to dump that and get a player back in exchange that you think it can take you to the next level, I think you're the winner. I 1,000% agree. I, I don't understand the people who are saying that Detroit actually won this trade. Um, Jared Goff, he is who he is. We we know what his limitations are at this point. He is not a guy who can win you a Super Bowl. That year they got to the Super Bowl, they had a loaded team, but it wasn't on the back of Jared Goff. It wasn't due to what he was doing to get them there. It was because exactly. of the collection of talent that they had, and, and most notably, Ty Gurley, who was having an MVP caliber season that year before he got hurt. So... Exactly. I, I don't understand. To me, I, I get why Detroit takes golf. It allowed them to, to force the Rams to pay a premium and add in that extra first-round pick. But the part of it that I really don't understand for the, for the Lions is you're paying golf $30-plus million, and there's a possibility they're going to take a quarterback with their first pick in this year's draft. So Jared Goff is going to be the, the most overpaid backup quarterback we've ever seen in probably another year. <laughs> I mean, a year from now, he's going to a year, a year from now, he's going to be a 30 million dollar backup quarterback, because if, if they are able to get Justin Fields at number seven, Fields ain't sitting on the bench for long. No, what, what's going to happen is he's going to be somebody's going to have to take that hit and cut him. Nobody's going to pay him that money. He's going to get cut. Somebody's going to somebody's going to have to eat the cap hit. 
but he's going to be gone. That's exactly what's going to happen. You, you cannot pay. I don't want to pay that for him as a starter, let alone as a, as a backup. And there's always loopholes and things that can be done and ways to eat the cap. I mean, to eat the hit and stretch it out over years. He'll be he'll be a backup, but he ain't gonna be making that cash. Right. That's so damn sure. right. So then that's the that's the other path they can take where they cut him or they find a way to see what money is left guaranteed on his contract and stretch that out. But for a team like the Lions, you don't attract free agents in the first place. So now to be carrying this dead weight, this dead cap. For a team that's struggling to find talent, they really don't draft well either. I mean, when when's the last premier pick they that they've landed that they've really developed? What are we talking? Uh, obviously, we know about Calvin, but Calvin was a high first rounder. Darius Slay, Darius Slay, I don't even think was a Lions pick. I think he actually came over there in a trade. I'm looking when I when I think about, I was going right back to Calvin. It's funny you brought him up first. I can't think of a, a Lions draft pick that was that moved any needles or like you said was, were developed under that's it under their uh program at all yeah i mean the best rookie, rookies they've had have been high first round picks calvin and dominica sue stafford but other than that it's been a massive drop off yeah, they, first rounders. Yeah. yeah those those are high first rounders so and, and like you said too the rams are looking at it from the standpoint of they've got the talent to be a playoff contender every year they were in the second round of the playoffs this year. They're hoping Stafford gets them over the hump. But even if he doesn't, you're trading away picks that are in the 20s. Those exactly. Are, for, for a Super Bowl contender, those are picks that, you know, they come and go. I mean, this past year, they were able to get Cam Akers in the second round, and he was the equivalent of a first-round back. So yeah. they've got their scouting in place. I think, to me, the Lions, they reached, from what I hear, they had better offers. I heard the Panthers were willing to flip them number eight and Teddy Bridgewater which I would have preferred as uh, as opposed to going to get golf. Aiden Teddy Bridgewater alone, no other picks? Uh, I think there would have been uh, like uh, mid-rounders, third and fourths included. But my okay. thinking on it would be Teddy Bridgewater only has one year guaranteed, so he's the perfect placeholder at quarterback. Then you get the number eight pick, so now you have seven and eight in an upcoming draft, and now you can get real creative about how you want to develop on either side of the ball. Okay. Well, that tells you what they think about Bridgewater. You know what I mean? That tells you they don't they don't see any value in him at all. So, when, I mean, when, when that's the mindset, you can't really do much about that. But they saw the whole value and they saw it was picks, money being the money that was exchanged. I think it worked out. I think it worked out better for the Rams clearly because you got a guy like McVay. Now you got your gunslinger. He's McVay. I got a little bit of history with him from when he, you know, started out with the football team, and then we've all seen his his uh, rise. He's younger than both of us. I think he's younger than you two. He's younger than both of us. Coaching his foot, coaching the football team, been to co- coach the football team in the Super Bowl. He's a young, uh, like his mindset is, you know, win or go home, and leave it out all out on the field, and that's kind of Matt Stafford's mindset as well. Um, It'll be interesting to see how the marriage works between uh, Stafford and McVay. I think the reason Stafford went to the Rams actually was, I'll say 70% was Sean McVay and wanting to play for McVay. And, and then the other 30% is that defense. You got generational talent on each on multiple levels of, of that defense. You go from Aaron Donald on the front end 
and then you got Ramsey on the back end. You got two guys, arguably the two best defensive players in the league. And when you got that and with Stafford, he's a he's the kind of guy, he's a brash guy, he's cocky. You know what I mean? He'll but he's got some talent to back it up. He does, he is a stat pattern. Um, but I think I think that's more that might have more so to do with what he's had around him before. So no more excuses for him now. You got weapons on the outside with Robert Woods and uh Cooper Cup. You got um, a nice young running game, a nice young strong running game. You more than one running back deep. Uh, tight end could be tight end is average, but that's all you can ask for when you've got those outside threats and the running game you got and the mindset of Sean McVay uh, behind everything. So it's it's put up a show up, and that's I think the Rams as an organization when they made that trade, that's what they had in mind. It's put up a show up. It's, we're not doing this for um, to get to the second round of the playoffs. We're not doing this to see how we do in the next two, three years. This is a all-in move. So they feel like that this move is what they needed to do to win a Super Bowl or to at least get there. Um, if it doesn't happen, there's going to be some questions that need to be answered and it's going to be some heads that's going to get chopped. Absolutely. They're, they're trying to extend their window. And as you said, they've got those two generational talents. They, they view this as an opportunity to try to get to the Super Bowl within the next two to three years. And if not, you know, so be it. Then you punt on those picks and you, you start over again. But you can't let the prime of Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey go to waste uh, playing behind a, a, an average quarterback at best. So you're absolutely right about that. So speaking about teams that are trying to win a Super Bowl, obviously we have Super Bowl Sunday approaching. It's, it's an exciting Super Bowl in terms of storylines. Now, I have my own opinions on how I think the game's going to play out, and I want to ask you. These teams met back in Week 12, I believe. Kansas City jumped on them early. They seemed to kind of just take their foot off the gas a little bit and let Tampa back in the game before they put them away. Tyreek Hill had 200-plus yards in the first quarter. What are you expecting to see on Sunday? Now, I don't expect to see such a like a bloodbath, you know, but I do, uh, I do expect the Kansas City win. I really see it's weird with these two teams because you got you got you look at the Bucks and you got um, Tom Brady, who a lot of people consider to be the GOAT. You've got a plethora of weapons at his disposal in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who arguably the best one and two uh two-headed monster receiving threat in the game. Then you got Scotty Miller in the slot who will sneak up on people. We'll see what happens with A.B., if he's going to be able to play. If he does, then that's just another weapon at hand. You can go three deep at a tight end with this team. Uh, with uh, Gronk, uh, Brayton, and O.J. Howard. You got a running game. You, you can go at least two deep at running back. The defense comes at you. Tampa Bay's got a squad. But then on the other side, you got the video game squad. You know what I mean? It's this team on the other side, this this Kansas City Chiefs team is Madden on rookie. You know what I'm saying? You ever played Madden on rookie? You just not, not, in a long, not in a long time, but everybody's open. Remember everybody's that? Open. <laughs> you everybody's open on every play. And you do what you and on both sides of the ball. The Kansas City's defense is so underrated. They can turn it up, man. It's a reason. The Kansas City, I mean, they put points on the board, but that defense gets off the field. 
they, they, they just do. And it's not just because teams are chasing them. It's because they got some animals over there that will come at you. And who I see, who I expect to make an impact on the game on the defensive side of the ball, not not on the like of win the MVP or anything, but I take a real close look at Honey Badger this weekend. He studies Tom Brady. Like he was, his respect for Tom Brady is on another level. It's like he he sees Tom as like like God out there. And he's a student of the game. And I know he studies Tom. I know I know he does. So I expect him to maybe make a play or two that maybe somebody else couldn't just because he studied his tendencies that hard. But at the end of the day, when you look at these two teams facing each other, what wins? Is it is it uh the better overall roster, which I say overall, 22 against 22, is the is Tampa Bay, really, to be honest with you, man for man? Or is it the video game roster on the other side where you got Patrick Mahomes, who is everything, like if you could build a quarterback from scratch, that's who you, that's what you would build. You got Tyreek Hill, who is, he is literally Pac-Man out there. He's just zooming around. You can't get him. You know what I mean? He's open every single play. You got Travis Kelsey at the tight end who plays like a wide receiver in a tight end's body and can kill you over the middle or wide. It doesn't matter where he's at. And he can block. And then you got the backup players, guys like, did you even think about who I would, a guy that I'm going to have a close eye on this weekend, like a Sammy Watkins, who you nobody's talking about. Sammy Watkins is the guy that shows up in the playoffs. He, he showed up in the playoffs Every time he's gotten an opportunity, and he can still catch, he can still run routes, he'll still go over the middle, and he can still do the dirty, dirty work on offense as well. Kansas City is just built for this type of play. It's built for high-level football, and they're probably the best coach football team in the league on the especially on the offensive side of the ball. So what are you gonna so is it the best roster or the best players? With roster top to bottom, I'm going to say it's Tampa Bay. X factors is going to be Kansas City. Coaching is pretty close because that coaching staff on Tampa Bay, you can't, I mean, you can't fault them. Even though, like, if you look at the staff even last year with Jameis Winston, they still had a quarterback to two for 5,000 yards and 30 plus touchdowns. He just made decisions that weren't susceptible to winning football games by throwing 30 interceptions. So this offense has been clicking. Now you've got a guy at the helm in Tom Brady who's not going to make those boneheaded decisions. You already felt like you had a Super Bowl scheme, a Super Bowl caliber plan and offense. You just had to have the right person at the controls. With Tom Brady, they feel like, and it's obviously they do have the right person at the controls can they stop, when you talk about the controls, can they stop the computer? That's what you're going against. That's a great There's point. always a cheat. You have the cheat code. You got to have the cheat code to beat the Chiefs. No, you're absolutely right. And I'm glad you brought up coaching because to me, I think that's where the biggest gap is. And that's no knock on Bruce Arians, on Brian Leftwich, on um, Todd Bowles. But when I look on the other side, Andy Reid is damn near unbeatable coming off a of bye week. They didn't have two weeks of plan for a team they've already seen once. He's like the rain man of coaching. Right. 
you got Eric Bieniemy, who we all feel should have been a head coach going into yep. next season, right? But then you got, to me, one of the biggest X factors, Steve Spagnuolo. Because Spagnuolo's defense has always given Brady problems. When they played in the regular season this year, when they played in the Super Bowls before he was with the Giants. Right. Yep. He has always found a way to get pressure. And like you said, the Chiefs are an underrated defense because so many times they're playing with big leads where teams have to throw the ball on them. And yeah, you're going to give up plays. When teams got to throw the ball 40, 45 times, you're going to start to give up some plays. But Chris Jones, Frank Clark, you're going to have to double team one of those guys. One of those guys is going to command the double team. And then, like you said, the versatility of Matthew, is he covering in the slot? Is he back in safety? Is he covering over the tight end? You can move him around in so many different positions now that now you're going to force Tom to go places that he may not want to go. I guarantee you, and like you said, depending on what Tampa brings out schematically as far as receivers, if AB's on the field on third down, that's who Matthew's going to shadow on third down. He's going to try to oh, take yeah. AB away on third down and say, all right, now go to some of these other guys that you're not as comfortable throwing to. Because for as good as Godwin is, he has trouble with the drops. We've seen it over and over again. Yeah. So they're going to force Tom to go some places. I like Tampa's defense. You were right on about them going into the wild card weekend when you talked about how fast they were. They are truly, you know, on steroids in terms of speed. Yeah, they fly around the field. You got Devin White. You got Devin White back there, folks. That boy is a beast. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. They they fly yeah. already. They fly around. I think they're going to have their moments in this game. I think they're going to be able to get some pressure on um, on Mahomes because we know Eric Fisher, the left tackle, won't be playing. So there'll be a little makeshift part of the line that they might attack there. But Tampa's biggest strength is stopping the run. And Kansas City ain't worried about running the ball. Kansas mm-hmm. City could care less if you shut down Edward Hilaire. Because as you said, we either going to force Tariq to take the top off the defense. And if you pay too much attention to him, oh, here go Kelsey. Oh, you giving me one-on-one with Sammy? I will take that. Oh, M- yep. meanwhile, McCole Hardman is still one of the fastest guys in the whole league as well. He might exactly. get going out on one-on-one coverage. So it's a and lot of you know of the quarterback is going to make the right decision. Oh, you know Patrick Mahomes is going to make the right play. Oh, He's wait. not going to turn the ball over. Right. And and the reason I, I started off by saying coaching is Andy Reid, again, he knows what, he, what he's coming out to do. There's no secret. They know what Tampa Bay is going to throw at them defensively. They know how they're going to attack it. For me, on the flip side, Bruce Arians loves to force the ball down the field. Last week, or two weeks ago, I should say, they had that game wrapped up against Green Bay. But yet they kept having Tom throw the ball and throwing sloppy interceptions that allowed Green Bay to get back in that game. That game should have been over. There was no reason Green Bay should have even been in that game, but they kept turning the ball over and, and keeping Green Bay in the game. Bruce Aarons has got to check his ego in this game. He's got to be willing to be more conservative. Trust Fournette. Run the ball a little bit more. And you know what? I think I agree with you in run the ball more. You got to get that thing to Ronald Jones, man. Right. You need to look at what Ronald Jones did over the regular season. That dude, anytime he had 15 touches, results. Every every game, go back and look at every time he touched the ball 15 times. He even had um, close to 100 yards rushing or close to 100 yards rushing and receiving and was scoring. And he is a dog. I don't, I don't understand. Actually, I do understand. Like, if you look at it on a football level, the back and forth between Fournette and Ronald Jones should not have existed. Ronald Jones should have been the lead dog for that offense for the whole season. But Ronald Jones wasn't the wasn't the running back that Tom Brady handpicked and said go get. 
That was Leonard Fournette. Ronald Jones was there when Tom got there. But when Tom got there, we know he was able to handpick who he wanted to go and get. Leonard Fournette, Gronk, Antonio Brown. Those were guys he went into the front office and said, bring me, I want to play with him, I want to play with him, and I want to play with him. And they made it happen. That's the only, There was no football reason for Leonard Fournette to get touches over Ronald Jones if you look at their numbers and or their production if you watch their football games over the years. So, if you want to, this is this is the perfect situation for the Bucks. Is get the ball first, score first by any means necessary. Score first by any means necessary. Prevent a touchdown on the Chiefs. Opening drive, and then give it that thing to Ronald Jones, and let him grind it out. If you want to run about the school to give you uh, four yards in a cloud of dust, give that thing to Ronald Jones. I want to see him have fifteen to twenty touches easily. If if, if the Bucks want to have a chance of winning this football game, but you got to score first. You got to you you can't let the Chiefs go up first and and take that run away because if you go. Run, run, pass, run, run, pass, 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 run, punt. You know what I mean? As, as trying a grinded out kind of game against this this Chiefs team, that's not going to work because the defense, like we both said, is underrated and they will come at you. You just got to you got to get on that ball first. If you don't score first or on your first possession, chalk it up. But if you do, get a you gotta trust that. You gotta trust that boy Jones because I think he could. I think he could be that unsung hero in the Super Bowl. There's been, if you look back at Super Bowls, there's been running backs that you would not think uh, would help a team succeed. They ended up being damn near MVPs of the game or were the MVP of the game. And this is that kind of opportunity. I think you got in front of you. You gotta slow down. You gotta slow down the pace against the Chiefs. Yeah, I was going to ask you who you thought was the X factor for the Bucks if they were to win. And I, I know, obviously, you feel it's Ronald I'm Jones. To, I might have gave that away a little bit. It's all, if, it's that's, all that's good. If, that's if. That's only if you score first. I mean, because I do have another guy in mind that if the game plays out on a, like a shoot em up kind of way. But if you can score first if you're the Bucks and hold them to a field goal on their opening drive or no points at all, and Ronald Jones, I, I think, could be the MVP. But you know, I, we can we can go we can go there on another level because I think I think another guy could uh could actually well, be the X factor for the yeah. We, for we the could definitely go there. I mean, I agree with you though. I think the way to beat the Chiefs, and it's and it's not rocket science, but it's looking back at the way teams were able to beat them last year. When the Colts and the Texans beat them in a the regular season, they ran the ball almost forty times in those games and played keep away. And the reason I think that's so important against Mahomes is that. Though he's still very young, he's one of the few quarterbacks I've seen that makes like some of the best in-game adjustments. When you look at the comebacks they've had in the playoffs, those aren't luck comebacks. Those are him adjusting to what the defense is doing and saying, all right, I figured it out now, and now we're just going to light it up, right? Down 24-0 against the Texans last year, they ring off 28 straight points. Down 10 points late against the Titans in the AFC Championship game, they take the lead before halftime, and then the Titans never get a chance again to get Derrick Henry back in the game. Yeah. San Fran was 12 minutes away from winning it last year, and then the Chiefs scored on the next three possessions to put the game away. Like, once he figures it out, they get rolling, and like you said, it's it's Madden on rookie at that point. Now it's like, you, it's just a bunch of D-backs with their hands up, like, I don't know what we're doing out here. 
So Absolutely. You, you it's, wanna... it's, it's, it's almost the football equivalent of like a... Uh, man, I almost feel blasphemous for saying. Not on an all-time level, but on an in-the-moment level of like a... Uh, like Mahomes and Reed, it's kind of like a Phil Jackson and MJ kind of thing. You know what I mean? When, when the avalanche, when avalanche started coming down, yeah, you done. Oh man, it was it was a wrap. It was, and when they got rolling, and when they when they started clicking, it was it was nothing you could do to stop it. It was nothing you could do. Right, and that's why I think if you're Tampa, you want to try to squeeze the air out of the ball early, drain some clock, win time of possession. Go into the half with the lead. Like you said, if you come out and you go up 3 nothing, and then you're able to get them on a 3-and-out and now chew up another 6, 7, 8 minutes, do that. Because before you know it, you're midway through the second quarter and Mahomes has only had one possession. Right. You got to keep him off the field. You got to you gotta have him sitting there watching. He's got to be standing next to Andy the whole game. Right. That's what that's that's, that's got to be your goal is have him sitting next to, standing next to Andy for the whole game. Because the more he's on the field, then the worse it is for you because he's going to be putting points out there. All right. Now, before we give our score predictions on the game, you said you had a guy on Tampa side you think could be an X factor if it's a shootout. Who would that guy be? Well, this is the way I look at it. If it's a shootout, there's a guy that can sneak in there for the Bucks. That's the MVP, and that's going to be Matthew. I mean, my bad. I'm sorry. I just gave up the Chiefs. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> yeah, for the Bucks, I think the sneaky. This is my sneaky MVP. That is. You ready? Drum roll. AB. If he plays, but that's that's the whole thing. If he plays, because if he plays, he's gonna return kicks. Oh, so you see him back there on some punt returns? Yes. So it's not only going to be, he's not only going to be out there on every, in the slot, he's going to be returning kicks. Mm. And I can see him, I can see him taking something back or flipping the field. But, but that's the thing, that's, it comes down to the defense being able to make the Chiefs punt. You see what I'm saying? But I see, I can see a AB punt return type, uh, Desmond Howard MVP type performance. Well, that, that's a very interesting take because looking back at the last two playoffs, so Kansas City special team struggled last year against the Texans. They gave up the, the block punt. This year, they fumbled a punt in a Buffalo game. So mm-hmm. they, And their kicker, Bucker, isn't the most accurate guy either. So their special team does have some issues. So you might be right. A.B. could break a big punt in a close game. Right. That's, a, that's the way I'm trying to look at it. Because, you know, I'm trying to look at something. I think outside the box. Man. So I'm trying to think. In Super Bowls, what what kind of thing does you know flip the whole game that we we don't think about? It's always special teams plays. If it's from way back to Desmond Howard, if it's uh, the Saints uh, onside kick, kick, you know things can be changed in special teams. That's an aspect of the game that I don't think a lot of uh, us as fans think about going into big games like this. Absolutely, and if you're Tampa, you need that. If you're Tampa. And you know how explosive this Chiefs offense is. You need to create points some way, somehow, whether it's through special teams, whether it's through a turnover. But you need to get a, a score in an unconventional way. So yeah. with that being said, Bucks, Chiefs, who do you have winning? And what are you predicting the score to be? I got the Chiefs winning the game. Uh, I just think 
it's the two video game like Mahomes and Reed and the enemy and the outside weapons with this you got especially with Hill and then Kelsey and I mean the net, the list goes on and on and on and on. I just I just think it's too much firepower to stop. Um I don't think the Bucks are gonna get embarrassed out there. I think it's gonna be a close game. Um my score I'm gonna have to say will be 37 29. 37-29 You got the Chiefs by eight. I have them close. I have it 31-26 Chiefs. I think it'll be, uh, I think the first quarter might be a little slow. And then I think after that, it's going to pick up the rest of the game. It's a lot on the line for both quarterbacks. So I expect them to, to both have really good games. But ultimately, I think the Chiefs just make more plays than Tampa. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs get a lead early in the fourth and then hold on for dear life late as Tom tries to come back with a drive to win it. I can see that. Yeah, I, I kind of like that score too. Like, what's that, six? Yeah. yeah. I got it right there. I, 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 I got it at five, 31-26. What's the line? It's at uh, three and a half right now. Mm. I got the three and a half is close. I do like the over on the game. I believe the last time I saw it, they had it at 53 and a half points. So I think the over is it might be a safe bet. Okay. Yeah, I'll take that over for sure. Yeah, and... and um, I, I was looking back because I was I obviously they played them this year, but he's played Tom previous years. Tom's the only guy to ever beat Mahomes in a playoff game. That's also one of the storylines here as well. But I think every game they've played against each other, this would be their fifth. So the, the previous four, three out of the four were were overs, including the playoff matchup a few years ago. Yeah, I think yeah, I think those are safe bet with the Super Bowl too. Um I just think it's gonna be a lot of firepower there. It's not gonna be it's not going to be any real home field advantage. So you're not going to have to deal with the crowd or, or you know, people jumping off sides or false starts. It's going to be, I think it's going to be some efficient football out there. It's going to be like a, um, kind of like what you would see on the practice field when guys are out there just giving it their all, like the open scrimmages, you know what I mean, when pride's on the line. I think it's going to be real. It's, it's going to be a real competitive game, but I do have the Chiefs coming out on top. It'll, it'll be interesting, though, because they actually... I heard they're going to have about ten to 12,000 people in the stadium. So... Yeah, they got a... I think it's... It might be more than that, actually. Because they're giving 7,000 of the seats to... to first essential, right, essential workers, right. Yeah, so it, to it, essential it, workers and all. Yeah, I think... It's probably... Yeah, it's, it's, it might be right around that number. But... Well, I guess if it's that number and it's at, in Tampa... It's going to be to the local, you know, folks. So unless they're putting them online, then it could be a it could be a little bit of a, a noise advantage for the Bucks. Yeah, I'm interested to see because I mean, I'm I'm assuming they're going to have immediate family for both teams there as well to fill in some of the seats. So yeah, we might be looking at it being you know 85 percent, 90 percent Bucks fans, like you said, essential workers from the area, family staff from the teams there it could get a little noisy in the second half yeah they said uh ira kaufman who's a long time uh beat guys and uh announcer for the bucks said that uh that the tickets that weren't made available were ten thousand a pop mm. but you know super bowl is mostly a corporate event anyway when it comes to tickets so the rest of the tickets that were left 
that's where I think it can kind of balance out because it's not a guarantee that the that the seven thousand he gives to the local workers are all going to be Bucks fans. I don't know how that's divvied out or how they, if they're able to you know move those on the secondary market. And then you got to think the corporation basically has to get the corporations basically have to get the rest of it, and they're not really cheering for a team; they're just cheering, cheering for the action on the field. Right. So it, it will be. This is um, it's you know it's unprecedented times. It's going to be an unprecedented Super Bowl, so it's going to be an unprecedented fan base at the Super Bowl. So we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, we definitely got to wait, wait and see what happens on Sunday. But let's transition over to some NBA talk. The league now is talking about trying to host the All-Star game. We heard initially there was going to be no All-Star game. I was of the thinking that we might even be in danger of the season getting shortened a little bit because of all the cancellations. What are you thinking about the All-Star game? Because we're already hearing players come out, specifically LeBron, saying it doesn't favor us even playing this game, let alone entertain the idea. Yeah. Um, I don't even really know how to feel about it. Um, my my question would be is what is the what's the what's the purpose of playing the game? Um, you could easily just like like with what the uh, NFL did this year, it's just name the All Star team. Um, you know, like like what they did with the Pro Bowl, just name Pro Bowlers and now play the game. If if you're really concerned about uh, the health and safety of the league. But where it gets where it gets kind of twisted is you look at the I don't want it to be I don't want everybody to look at it as a uh, the league did this the league changed their mind on this because you look at if you look at the um, NBA PA headed by Chris Paul the reports are Chris Paul pushed for this he pushed for the All Star game. Who one of his uh and LeBron is on the board of the Players Association and is his man. So for if Chris if the reports are correct, the Chris Paul pushed for an all-star game, and then LeBron comes out and has the uh the quotes that he gave on his feelings towards how he had no interest in the all-star game, there's a disconnect that we need to address within the Union and the Players Association between what the league wants, what the players want, and what the union, I mean, what the associate, what the player association wants. So, what is it? Is it that with Chris Paul pushing, if it, if that's true, which the sources are pretty solid, if he pushed for an All Star game, was that on his own volition or was that on the majority vote of? The players association and this and this is LeBron on his own saying, Well, I don't want this. No matter like so behind closed doors, let's say the players association voted majority wise all-star game and LeBron, but he didn't. But who's the biggest voice when the microphones are on in the NBA? It's LeBron. LeBron. So he so he can say whatever he he can voice what he did. Have you ever heard him voice a lot of players' association decisions? No. Unless it's something against what he wants to go for. So he has to, he knows he has a platform to, if he gets outvoted, he can say, well, all right, let me, <laughs> I'm going to say this. And then everybody can say, oh, yeah, right. He's right. Why? 
You know what I mean? He, he can get he can get the people's vote. The people's vote. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I don't know for 100% that that's what happened. But we do know what he said. And I do know that very credible sources have said Chris Paul pushed for an all-star game. So this isn't a league against the players. This is a this might be a players against players issue. I mean, it sounds that way. I, I just don't understand what the purpose be for because you're more than likely not going to have fans there anyway, right? So, but that, but but I think you will because that's why they wouldn't have it in Georgia. That's why they wouldn't have it in Atlanta. If you look what? at Atlanta and their standards for COVID uh, or Georgia, it's business as usual down there. I mean, it's shops open, restaurants is open. Um, it's fans at horse games. Like I think, I, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, so, all right, so if I'm a player, right, my, my thinking would be you put these strict guidelines in terms of what I can do in every city before and after games, but now you're going to host this grand all-star weekend because they still plan on rolling out, you know, the festivities, the dunk contest, the three-point shootout. You're going to still make a whole event out of this. So if I'm a player, what was the point you know, of having all these restrictions then? But they, no, they say when they, they wanted to have that all in one day. Right, but even it's not, not going to be like stretched out over the weekend. It's going to be that limited, uh, that limited audience. Well, you you and I this both know that's game, bull. This is the game and the skills competition is what it is. But you and I both know that's bull because even if they hold it on, let's say if they if they decide to do it on a Saturday night, all the events, right? You're going to have the lead up to it because guys are going to stop playing. All teams will probably stop playing by that Thursday. So they're going to be from Thursday night, you all Friday, get in town Saturday, play the game. Sunday, the the, the the people that's hanging around the city, you don't have to report back to your team till Tuesday or Wednesday. So now you're giving guys these this four to five day window where they're hanging out in Georgia, like you said, where the COVID regulations and restrictions are very lax. How can, how can the league want to hold guys accountable on one hand, but then say, but for these five days, we're going to be lax and we're understanding that you're going to be no, mingling. See, this is the thing. That's why it's, it's limited down to... What I heard was this down to two events, the skills competition and the game. So really, how many players are you bringing up to one city more than what you would for a regular season game? Well, you got so, the East, you got the West, and you got the skills competition players. Right. So you're still what, looking at you're looking guys. at about 30. You're still looking at about 30 guys. But that's not much more than what you're bringing in to to a city on a game-to-game basis when you, when you talk about trainers and staff and everybody right. else. As far as, as far as the guys, it's not it's not like it's going to be, you know what I'm saying, uh, it's not going to be KG on the sideline with a with a denim suit holding the camcorder, you know what I'm saying? All right, so you won't have the fans. You won't have the guys. You just have the players. Right, you won't have all of the usual star power, but my point is, you're still giving guys that five day window to hang around the city. From day oh, one, from but remember, from day one, the talk has been, listen, we're not testing for marijuana, but we don't right. want you guys on the scene. So that's why you stay your ass in the room. You stay in the room. Ain't nobody staying in the room in Georgia. Stay in the room. Five five days. Well. Dude, five days. Room. Come on, it's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff on Netflix to watch, man. Yeah, I'm so backed up. My list on Netflix is so backed up right now, man. I literally counted. I got 208 titles on my list on Netflix that I need to watch, man. I know they got. They just need to just. I'll give them my account number and they can just log in and just watch stuff on my list. 
and just get it off my list. It's gonna, it's, they can fill hours, man. They can fill the hours. Get a pellet. I know they got pelotons. Get on that peloton. Uh, come on. You know what I'm saying? Hey, pump out, we'll, some, pump out some miles. Well, you and I both know the ratio of sack chases to ball plays is going to easily be 12 to 1. It's going to be 12 to 1 over there. James Harden is not getting on the peloton for, for four or five straight days. He hitting the streets. Ain't no way. He ain't no way. So, nah. See, if you put, see, that's the thing. You put James Harden in Atlanta, that's that's almost, you set him up for, for death. <laughs> you, you, I mean, you just setting it up for the, for the story to come out. Man. Why you trying to kill him? <laughs> I, right. It, come on, NBA. It, come on. Yeah. Listen, announce right. the guys who made the team. I understand you want to at least announce the guys because there's always incentives tied into making an all-star team. But that's it. Announce the team, recognize the guys. You could do a special on, on you know, uh, inside the NBA for the guys. TNT does something, and that's it. And then let the guys go on and enjoy their break before they got to well, meet up with the team. You know the problem team. with that? Who's going to watch the, any of that? Probably that's, nobody. See, that's, that's the problem. No, 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 no. That's the problem. That's what it comes down to. Ain't nobody going to watch that. You need revenue. It's a lot less games now. You don't have the, the ad revenue that you were getting before. You got you got to put more products out there. You got it's people. It's people out there that got to get paid. You know what I mean? Oh oh oh! You got canceled for COVID. F you, pay me. Oh uh oh uh! You had contact with a barber. F you, pay me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you got to get paid, baby. And and this is an opportunity for the people that. It's coming for their money, no matter what. This is the time for, to pay them. This is this is an opportunity to pay them. LeBron, I'm sorry, you reap the benefits of all the glitz and the glamour and everything that comes with being an NBA player. It ain't gonna every time work out for you like roses, baby. You might have to. You know what? Don't even come. Say you got a temperature. Don't even don't even come to the weekend. Let somebody well, but, else come. Nah, come on. You know, you know. Nah, you I know, know the NBA wants them. I know the NBA wants them. The man. NBA and, and the and the and the large following of fans who wouldn't even watch if he's not there. Everybody's gonna want him. Will they, will they come? And then they start him. He plays six minutes and he don't play no more. What's the harm? In, and that's how we've seen that happen before. Yeah, he oh, starts yeah. the game. He he runs for two, two minutes. First foul, come out, LeBron. Second quarter, started, two minutes. First foul, come out, LeBron. Not, you know what I'm saying? Third quarter, play two minutes. First, somebody gets fouled, come out, LeBron. Same for the fourth quarter. You ain't got eight minutes for us? Give me eight. Give, 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 give the fans and the NBA and the things they're dealing with and everybody else, this is unprecedented times. Give us eight minutes. That's all I ask, eight minutes. He's trying to preserve you already, his body for that you championship already, run. You already disrespect the All-Star Weekend as it is, LeBron. You ain't never been in a dunk contest, bro. You already, you already don't hold the All-Star Weekend to the esteem that it should be here. Don't talk about when we ain't got no fans. Listen. When it was fans gonna, there, you wasn't there. You're, the you're going to offend. Bro. You know you're going to offend people by saying that. You, you can't talk about certain people's king that way. Dude, dude, don't talk about well, well, the fans ain't even there. So how come we? Well, when the fans were there, you weren't there at full capacity. You never, you never got out there on Saturday night for us, bro. So I don't want to hear about the fans. It's about you. I don't want to hear about the fans. And if you listen to his, and if you listen to before he said, well, 
I don't know why we, he said, well, my team only has 71 days off. Oh, so it's only about your team? He's, my, my team only has 71 days off, because of the, 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 well, what about the teams that didn't even get invited to the uh, to the bubble? They've been sitting around since May. You know what I'm saying? What about the teams that got eliminated in the first round of the bubble? They've been sitting around since, you know what I'm saying, August. So don't, don't. Ah. Let's move on. Because I'm going to come across, I'm going to come across a certain way, man. Let's move on. It's all good. It's all good. Listen, <laughs> but, but since we're talking about all-stars, we got to yeah. acknowledge a certain young guard in the Eastern Conference that's having a phenomenal first half of the season, despite his team's record. Your man, Bradley Bill. First off, I gotta ask, what's what's up with this nickname I'm hearing they throwing out? BB3, what's what's up with that? BB3, wait, what? Yeah, I, I've been hearing people like kind of float that out there like that's a nickname. I've been tuning into the games. I ain't never heard the announcers call him by that. I ain't heard that one. BB3, you know, I'm and I'm not in the area no more. BB, I don't know about that. Richard, Richard Jefferson sure. was I'm saying, not... Richard Jefferson the other day was on the gram saying that that's what they call him. I'm like, who the hell calls him that? Richard Jefferson said that? Yeah. I'm going to find a quote for you. I'm going to find a quote for you man. and I'm going to send it to you. Richard Jefferson, he don't know what the hell he talking about with BB3. Nah. I mean, it might. Nah, I ain't heard that at all. That's like um, if, if uh, Jerry Dudley came out and said, "Man, that's BB three. That's that's the steam." I hold Richard so, Jones. I'm not really hearing that. I mean, so, I got so you. So you. I, so you I, wasn't I, feeling the Jared Dudley book either, then. The what? <laughs> so I heard. I heard that he came out with a book. I said, "Did it come with crayons?" Like, do you? Like, you fill in the pictures? Yeah. I, Honestly, I, I heard it was a four, I heard it was a forty-five page pamphlet. That's what I'm saying about no joke. <laughs> no joke. Bro, about how to how to survive in the league without ever touching a weight. That's if, if, if it's not a if it's not a book about that, then I don't I don't need I don't need a Jared Dudley book. That was crazy for me. But what's, what's going on with Brad though, man? I, I I've always thought very highly of Brad. He's shown out again this year. Um, I know you you've. You've made a bold prediction recently. You said they were going to go 12 and 8 out of the next 20 so far. They're 1 and 1 on that prediction. Do you feel that stretch of basketball is necessary to get them back in the playoff race, though? Uh, no. Because I don't think, I really don't think if they, they, they can sustain that. I just think, I thought at the time when I made that call that, it was a perfect time for them to win some games to sneak up on people because it looked like they were kind of um, gaining some chemistry and put some things together. Like, I don't... I'm looking at the clock. I don't know what they did tonight. I know they had Miami tonight. I'm going to have a team score. But I really think... I'm a homer. I mean, you know, it is what it is. I'm not a homer that likes to so say, oh, yeah, the Wizards, we're going to be in third seed every, every season. I just feel like the team had it can be so much better than it is when you look at um, the guys we have on the team. But with all the obstacles of, first of all, with the obstacle of our coaching staff, I really don't think the coaching staff is taking advantage of the players' um, best abilities. I've given Scott Brooks so much rope, so much rope. And I've given him way more chances than most Wizards fans have. But it's, he's getting to the point where I, can, I can't defend him anymore. His rotations are horrible. I mean, we don't have the most talented guys on the, in the world at all on the basketball team. But 
we can get way more out of what we have. It's it's almost like he's trying to fit a round peg in square holes. You got um, Denny, uh, Denny, my rookie, who is a who is a he's a ball handling forward. That Scott Brook is trying to turn him into a spot up shooter. That's yes. not that's, that's not what he is. That's not why you drafted him. You didn't draft him because he's a catch and shoot guy. You drafted him because he's great in the pick and roll. He can handle the ball um, on the perimeter, and he can um, put guys in spots to score with his passing. And now you you're making him come off screens and trying to catch and shoot. That's not what he is. Yeah, um, the first combo you and I had. In regards to him, I told you, I thought he was a mix between a Tony Kukoc and a Gallinari. A guy yeah. who can handle the ball, give you an additional ball handler, but also can shoot and can create offense. They're not using him right. And just to give you an update, it ain't looking good. They down 32 right now in the third quarter. Are you serious? Yeah. They down 93-61 late in the third. Bradley Bill's having a terrible night. He's 1-14 of tonight. So I, I, I picked him up and he's struggling. 1-14. of Lord have mercy. All right. Yeah, we're going to get him <laughs> Looks so like we'll move on from that game. Be one and two on my uh, prediction so far. But I, as as a team, like I, like I said, I'm done. I'm done defending Scott. We can get. I mean, you you got dealt a tough blow when you lost Thomas Bryant for the season. Um, he was making some big strides. He was he was a big part of your team. But you just not you, you don't adapt to anything. Like that's the thing about Scott Brooks. If I watch a lot of I watch a lot. Actually, I watch every game except for, for tonight, of course. And I watch the other, I have the NBA ticket. So I can watch either broadcast, the Wizards broadcast or the opposing teams broadcast. I love listening to the opposing teams broadcast just to see what they think of us as a team when they don't see us every night. All they have really is uh, last night's tape and whatever they see in front of them. Um, immediately. And nobody respects Scott Brooks's offense or his coaching or his defense. I mean, you can't respect his defense being second to last in the league in every basically every category behind the uh, Kings. But if you watch, I watch a lot of other coaches. Like when I watch the other broadcasts, they're more focused on that team's bench than the Wizards' bench. Other coaches, you hear, especially in these quiet arenas, you hear them barking out orders on offense and defense. And then you pan over to Scott Brooks and he's either sit just sitting there or just standing there. You don't you don't you never hear him say anything. He's just watching. And then also with the ticket on the in the timeout, you don't have commercials. So you're just watching. They zoom in on the uh huddles. You see on other teams, you see players engaging uh with the coach. While he's drawing up plays, you know, getting things ready for uh, coming out of a timeout. Scott Brooks, everybody's just loafing, chilling. And he's talking basically to the assistant coaches, drawing something up, and nobody's even paying him any attention. He's not a leader of men. He's not He's not somebody that can uh, coach you up. And I, I've just had it with him. I'm, I'm giving him every chance. I thought... I thought his uh, ability to relate to Russell would equate to wins and success. That hasn't happened at all. So if that's not that's not part of the equation, why why are you here? 
1,000% agree with you. And I asked you one of the last times we spoke, uh, how much longer? Uh, you said you didn't think they would fire him, fire him in season. You thought it would, it would be... I still don't. A little bit of a change from traditional ways of being handled by the franchise. But yeah. at some point, enough's got to be enough. I still don't think they're going to fire him in season. I still think he's going to make it to the end of the year. Because what's your plan if you fire him? If you fire him, you're going to have a the interim guy that was on his staff anyway. You know what I mean? So it's, essentially it's going to be an extension of him. And you're not going to get better at the basketball team. And you're going to be paying a guy to not work for you. So, and it's not going to look good. You fired a guy in the last year and still did not even uh, elevate anybody from his staff. Because, you know, nobody from his staff is going to last past the season. Right. So let him close it out. And at this point with the hole we're in, are we going to are we compete for a championship this year? No, just let him finish it out. Um, I think that will that would look better even to Brad if you know you don't fire him and you let him ride the contract out. The results are what they are, and you know you didn't you didn't get the best out of this team. Your contract's up. We didn't fire you. We didn't embarrass you in the middle of the season, and you move on. I think even as a, one of your start your face of the franchise. Brad will respect that more than if you were to fire him mid-season and not have any plan going forward. They need to be making their next their, the plan for the next move now. It, Tommy Shepard needs to, he already has this guy in mind. He's got to have his guy in mind. Like we've already uh, spoken on before, Scott Brooks was not a Tommy Shepard hire. That was an Ernie Grunfeld hire. It's time for Scotty. I mean, it's time for Tommy to get his guy in there. He's already building the the, the roster around his image. He got John Wall out of here. He, he wants to build around Brad. Now it's time for him to get his coach in here that he thinks can take Brad and his team to the next level. Well, look, I, I know, like you said, you probably won't get rid of Scott, but if you guys decide to move on from Bradley Bill, we'll toss you R.J. Barrett in three first-round picks, all right? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm letting you know now. That's that's the deals on the pick, the table. Keep off, man. That's, he ain't going nowhere. And he and, the, and I, I truly believe that he doesn't want to go anywhere. I, that's why I've, not, I've never really been worried about any of the trade talk. He's not built like that. He loves where he's at. Just, he's the face of a franchise. If you trade him to any of these places that you're talking about, he's going to be, what, third fiddle? Not on, not on the Knicks. Not on the Knicks. Well, not on, yeah, not on the Knicks. But I already spoke to Leon Rose. He said RJ and three first. It's already good to go. It's just waiting on you guys. Yeah, and I and I want no part of that at all. <laughs> In DC, you're the face of basketball. You're the face of it. Um, it's the nation's capital. It's a great place for um, black people. You know, it's still it's still it's still a great place for for, for our community. He's a big part of the community. Why not? Why not try to um, make guys come to you and win? It's still guys. It's still a few guys out there that's just willing to look at like Dame Lillard in Portland. It's, it's still guys out there that want to win where they are and have loyalty to their franchise. And and we need to instead of us instead of us uh, putting shame on that and saying, "Oh, well, you must not want to win." Just see that. That's something. That's something we do as fans. Well, we, you know, what? Why do you want to stay here? You must not want to win. You must only want money. Well, why can't it be? Well, I want to win, but I want to win here. I want to win 
who gave me was who gave me the shot in the beginning. I want to win where my base is. I I completely understand. I don't fans look at it like that. We look at it like, oh, he must not want to win. Oh, oh, you staying in what? He's saying with the women, he must not want to win. Maybe he wants to win, but he wants to win here. And it, and it's, the thing is, the, the fan, the 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 bigger part of the fan base isn't built like that because they, like you talk about, like the twenty five and under fan base, they don't know anything about sticking with sticking with that grind and and you know what I mean. They don't know anything about that 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 loyalty and that 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 hustle. It ain't about being handed something. It ain't about going to the easiest route, going to the best team. It's about that hustle. Some people still respect that, and I think Brad's a guy that does. Well, I mean, for the for the fan that's 28 and under, they grew up in this AAU era. So they so used to guys jumping around, they assume that that's how you win. But as a diehard Knicks fan, I know firsthand what you're talking about because we experienced it with Carmelo. Carmelo stuck around with us for years trying to turn it into something. My only regret with that was that our front office never made the proper moves to oh. really maximize Carmelo. Carmelo, he got a real bad rap in that yeah. stretch. Yeah, he, he did. A, he they did. said, oh, he, he don't win when he just won the money. No, and maybe he wanted to say, I want to put this franchise Listen, on my back and the nah, money just I, came with it. I know, I know for a fact um, that it, it had nothing to do with that. Uh, there were some guys that I know that worked within the, the Nick organization that always talked about how much he loved the city and the organization. Yeah. And if it was truly just about, oh, I'm gonna I'm go win and, and get paid some wells, he could have went to Chicago that year when Rose and Noah was still healthy. He chose yeah. to come back to New York and said, nah, I'm, I'm gonna win on my terms here. I don't wanna chase it with nobody else. I don't wanna try to be on nobody else's team and just be a West, piece of that. West had the deal set up in Chicago. All, mm-hmm. all, he had to do was, all he had to do was sign it. Yeah. So Worldwide West had that thing set yep. up. And he, he said, no, nah, I'm going back to New York. So I agree with you on that. Uh, one last thought before we wrap up. Who do you have right now? We're, we're right at about a third of the season, a little more than a third into the season. Who do you have right now as the league MVP? Everybody's talking about LeBron. He's having a massive, masterful season. But do you feel he's on the verge of another MVP? I don't. And Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This sounds like an unpopular opinion. <laughs> who, who do you have? Who do you have? It's not quite, I won't say it's unpopular. It, it, that might be a 51 49 opinion, you know what I'm saying? Well, it might be right there. But I got, I got um, the Slim Reaper, man. I got KD. I got to have KD at the MVP. And it's, I mean, it's real close. LeBron, LeBron's kind of a player that can win every year. You know what I mean? But, Shit, like this all-star game stuff. Like, it's not, it's not, we already know it's way more than basketball when it comes to this. It's lots of politics involved. So then, like, this whole, like, the whole all-star game thing kind of took it down a couple notches for me. Like, come on, man. Give me eight minutes. I got to go with KD, though, because, first of all, the Lakers are, are, I mean, they're, the Lakers are the Lakers. You know what I mean? They they always want and they got guys. They always gonna find guys. KD's got the Nets in the uh, championship conversation. KD is coming off of a massive, massive injury. He's a real slim guy. We you think, oh man, it's, it's it might be a lot more stress on that Achilles. You know what I mean? Like with his his style with the lift on his jumper, or with 
him having guard skills at the at the the height and weight that he's at. But you look at his numbers, and I'm not a big stat guy. First of all, the record's great, but he's he's out here hooping like like he didn't miss a year, battling back from Achilles. Right now, 36.9 minutes per game. That's not a that's not a workload for somebody who just came back from Achilles. You look at like John Wall on the other hand. Um, I think he's at like 20 some minutes, low 20 some minutes a game. 7.5 rebounds a game. For his career, he averaged 7.1. 5.2 assists a game for his career, he averaged 4.1. He shoot, he's uh, averaging over 30 a game coming off of the Achilles. Really? 30.8 points per game, he's averaging 27.1 for his career. And then it's not like he's out here just just putting it up. He's out here being efficient. He's shooting 53.3% from the field when he's shooting 49.4 for his career. And he's got the Nets in the championship conversation. Oh, they got Kyrie. Oh, they got uh, James Harden. Well, take Kevin Durant off that team. You think Kyrie and James Harden's in the championship conversation? Absolutely no. not. Playoff team, not a title contender, though. Yeah, not a title contender. KD is a guy that's proven to you that he is a champion and you can ride him down the stretch. I think I've thought for years that he's the best player in the NBA. If I'm if I'm at the park, and this is this this is what I say who's the best player. Not who's has the best stats, but if I'm at the park and I got first pick and I line I line up everybody and I've already seen all of them hoop. And I and I got this dude that's out here damn near seven foot to pull up from it, he can pull up from the from the parking lot, can and will D you up. That's something people really don't look at is how he defends you, and will yam on you if he has to. He got everything: post game, pull up, uh, mid range game, everything. KD, I think I've always thought KD's been the best player in the league for the last few years, and with the way he's came back from his injury. And with where Brooklyn is as a team, Kevin Durant's my MVP. Right I mean, without, without a doubt, he is the most skilled player in the game. Uh, there's no debate in that. Like you said, he can do any and everything on the court. And the fact that now he's able to play the five at times, and we saw him do it in Golden State, and now he's doing it more with Brooklyn. You know, he's at the five. He could be at the four. He could play the three if you want. He's skilled enough to do all those things. He's there. He He's right there. But he he has a great amount of help, so I'm not I'm not going to take that away from him. But for me, if I'm voting for it, I'd be like, all right. But if he has an off night, he still has the guys that carry him. To me, the guy who's standing out the most, and it's because of the debate we've been having for the last few years in terms of do you build around him or do you build around his teammate, is Joel Embiid. I think Joel Embiid is taking his game to another level now. And as you talked about stats wise, he's top ten in, in points and rebounds. He's shooting almost 56% from the field. He's shooting over 40% from three. He's showing us everything we knew he could do. It's just in years past, he was never really in shape. This year, he came in shape. And I think for a long time, we debated whether would you build it around him? Would you go with Ben? Ben, to me, is still struggling to find his way offensively. And Embiid is taking that next leap now as a dominant big man in the game. So I'm going to give Embiid the slight nod just because, like I said, the help-wise. If KD has a bad night... The Nets still have enough firepower to win. If Embiid has a bad night, 
they hoping that Tobias comes through because they know they're not getting offensive production from Ben Simmons. So that to me is is what gives him the slight edge. I don't think you can go wrong with either one of those guys, though, honestly. I think what KD's doing is phenomenal coming back from that injury. And like you said, being able to play defense at the level he's playing it at. He, he's having an amazing season. I mean, it might just come down to whoever comes out of the East with that number one seed between those two guys. But I think those two guys are 1A, 1B in terms of who's the MVP of the league. But I would say that that is, um, I agree with you, MB's having easily having the best year in his career. Is it because of his conditioning or is it because of his coaching? Uh, I think it's I think a little bit of both. I think it's both? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, he's, he's still playing a, a lot of minutes. He's still playing 32 to 35 minutes a night. So it's not like, uh, you know, inflated numbers and short bursts. He's he's playing, and he's only missed two games throughout the season. Doc is helping him, like, of course. Yeah, but I feel like Doc is more – he's centered the offense more around him. When in, in the past, it's been more of a ben, Ben-centric offense than uh, with Joel. Like it, it's almost like a variated version of the triangle where they, they, they love to run him a high post, first touch, cross half court, and he makes the decisions uh, from there. When you never saw that before in the past, before Doc got there, it was always been um, orchestrating the offense there. When they always, they almost make uh, Joel like a point, a point center when they run him, when they run him high post. Um, yeah, I, w- I would look at it from that angle, and then especially. I mean, I think Doc's a great coach. Oh, yeah. I think the best thing they did was they actually surrounded him with better shooters now. So now before Embiid was jacking up five, six threes a game, which really isn't his game. And Mm -hmm. that was because of the lack of shooters. Josh Richardson wasn't really a big time shooter. You know, now with Seth Curry, with Harris, with Maxie, they're able to space the floor a little bit. And like you said, now you're able to run a more traditional offense where it's like, Joel, get off the three-point line. What are you doing camping up out here? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Get down there and go to work in the paint. And so I think that's why we're seeing a better version of him as well. But I, I do think he's a much better shape than we've seen in the past. Well, that's absolutely. But when you when you look at uh, KD, like you said, he's got talent around him for when he has an off game. The thing is, to this point in the season, he hasn't ain't, had an off game. Ain't been too many of them. Yeah, he's been, he been <laughs> hooping. He's been hooping, hooping every game. He, he ain't had an off game. He's he been out here every game looking like he got something to prove. And if, I'm telling you, this dude is an assassin. He's got he he got everything in his bag. It's nothing you can. And he's so slept on defensively. He will lock you up on the defensive end. That's you, you see him get dunked on a few times. You know why? Because he's playing defense. He's trying, you know what I'm saying? He's trying to stop you at the rim. It's it's a reason certain guys are in posters. It's because they got effort. Ben Wallace is in a lot of posters. But guess what? He was a monster on defense. You know what I'm saying? It's That's about effort. And KD got that effort on the defensive end, which I think is slept on. Nah, you make great points, man. I, again, I think they're 1A, 1B. You, I, I wouldn't be mad if somebody said KD. I think Joel's right in the conversation. I think Joker out west is in the conversation as well. You know, where did Joel's definitely in there. Oh, no, the Joker. No, I got a, I got a crush on him. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got a hoop crush on I got a hoop crush on the Joker. That dude, you talk about skilled players. 
passing, ball handling, um, IQ, um, touch. This dude got it all. The Joker got it all. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he's got it all. But they've yet to show me that they can, like, right with the loss they've had so far in the season. Um, something about something about the Nuggets is missing. I don't, and I can't quite figure it out. I don't know if it's just maybe a, a, a scoring three. But it's something about them that it's just something's just not right. And but I but I love that. I do love I love him. I love Murray. Those they some talent out there. Yeah, they, they've got to figure out. I think they they're kind of caught in limbo with two of their guys because I think Gary Harris is a free agent after this year. So they still giving him starter minutes, but I think they need to move on from him. I think Will Barton is just a better fit there. And then Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. needs to be getting all the minutes at the four. I know they brought oh, Millsap. Yeah. I know they brought Millsap back as a veteran leader, but Michael Porter Jr., and I know he was out with COVID, he need to be pay- playing 30 to 35 minutes a night as well because he's I, the one that can make them special. I thought he was the best player in his draft, to be honest with you. Listen, you preaching to the choir, bro, because I was so upset with the Knicks that night when we took Kevin Knox over Michael <laughs> Porter Jr. And so many yeah. people told me, oh, Michael Porter Jr., he's, he got the back issue. I'm like, bro, he's 19. He's going to recover. Like, yeah. what are we talking about? That's a back issue at 19? Yeah, he a dog, though. Man, they 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 caught the steal of the draft with that one, man. But we got to see how it plays out. Will, we're going to touch base after the Super Bowl, man. I appreciate you coming by the show again, though, bro. Yeah, hey, I love it. Anytime you need me, bro, you know I'm here. Yes, sir.